Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A listener note. This podcast contains strong language and disturbing content. There's an old photograph of Fred West from when he was a teenager. He's sitting on a motorbike, a little 125cc James, which he got around the time of his 17th birthday. His brothers and sisters are standing around the bike, little sister Kitty in front. They look normal and happy. It's impossible to gaze into Fred's face and not search for a clue to explain what he became. How did this smiling country boy change into one of the most notorious serial killers of the 20th century. A few weeks after Heather West's remains were found early in 1994, I managed to track down another one of the West children, Steve, the eldest son of Fred and Rose. He was only beginning to grasp the enormity of it all. Why did he do it? Did something happen to Fred early in life? To my surprise, Steve made a suggestion. Steve said Dad wasn't right from day one. He had a bad motorbike smash when he was young. When he was 19. How badly hurt was he? Wait, he was actually, they actually said he was dead. And they, and they left him, but he started being again. So they brought him back then. He almost died. His helmet split in two. How did he crash? You go down this hill and you go round it, which straight up that, and a wall follows it round in the bottom. And he missed the corner and just went straight through the wall, 100 miles an hour, going down the hill. And he just went straight through it, and it's a huge, a double brick wall. And he just went straight through it. The story was that Fred was rushed to hospital critically injured. He lay there unconscious for seven days. When he finally woke up, he said it was like coming back from the dead. From something else, this is unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes. Episode 2, Young Freddy. I'm Howard Soons. I broke major stories in the West murder case as a journalist, then wrote the book Fred and Rose. In the last episode, we heard how Heather West disappeared from home aged 17, never to be seen again. Her brothers and sisters thought she was working at a holiday camp. Seven years later, the truth was revealed. Heather's dismembered remains were found under the back garden patio of the West family home. 25 Cromwell Street in Gloucester. Her father, Fred West, confessed to her murder. 
But that was only the start. As I first revealed as a journalist, eight more women and girls were buried at 25 Cromwell Street, which I described in my paper as a house of horrors. There were three in the garden, one under the kitchen, and five in the cellar. There were three more elsewhere, making a total of twelve, and it was likely that Rose West was as deeply involved as her husband. There was no doubt that Fred West was a killer. He was confessing all to the police and saying Rose had nothing to do with it. I knew that was probably not the whole story. In the spring of 1994, I came down to Gloucester to cover the case for the Mirror. At the same time, I was starting to research my book. That's how I came to meet the West's eldest son, Steve. And Steve had just given me a lead that shed new light on his father's early life. I drove out into the countryside around Gloucester, where Fred West was born and raised. If I could understand Fred's early life, maybe I could make sense of what he did. I had to go back to his beginning. I had little idea what I would discover. I'd come to a little village in Herefordshire near the Welsh border. It's an unusually beautiful place with an ancient English name, much Markle. The soil is a rich iron red and when I arrived that spring the fields were smothered with yellow daffodils. I felt like I had stepped away from the modern world and back in time. There was little traffic noise. The families all knew each other and I sensed that they guarded their secrets. This was where Fred West grew up. You'd use a dictaphone, like a little old-fashioned, cheap dictaphone um, with micro-cassettes. You're kind of going around finding people, knocking on doors. I had a few addresses to go to, some leads, and I just started sort of pounding the pavements, really, and banging on doors. On the outskirts of the village, I found the farm labourer's cottage where he was born, surrounded by cider orchards. There was another cottage next to it. I knocked on the door, and an elderly gentleman named John Cox answered. I'm, uh, I'm writing a book about the West Case. You can please keep going about the West Case. I'm not interested in the West Case. It's a very bad thing to have happened. It is terrible. Just hope to get things right, you know, uh, get it straight. Although it was early days in the story, I wasn't the first person to knock on his door, and John Cox was getting annoyed. What was young Freddie like when he was a little boy? Well, I suppose he was a little devil. Was he a little devil? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose he was. Do you remember him? I remember him as a kid, yes. Did he strike you? I bet it wasn't for long. No. Did he strike you as unusual anyway? Well, this is going to be very funny. You, you, you wouldn't notice anything unusual with a lot of kids. He never caused you any problems? But when they're small, they usually come and them when they're growing up. But he never caused any problems? Didn't break any windows? or No, no. Not too much, then, yeah. 
Well, thank, thank you for your patience. There's nothing you remember that's, that you think... I'm, just well, trying, I'm, I'm trying to find what explains all this. Bad. Nothing so bad. They can say against the parents. Mr Cox said straight off that young Freddy was a little devil, but he was shy of explaining himself. He didn't want to be seen speaking ill of his neighbours. What I needed was hard evidence. So I went to the public library in the nearby market town of Ledbury. They had the back issues of the local newspaper, the Ledbury Reporter. Reading through these old papers, I found a court report from 1961. It led me to this man. Hello. Hi. I'm trying to find uh, Brian Hill. Yeah. Mr Hill? Yeah. Oh, how do you do? My name's Howard Soons. Um, can you spare me a couple of minutes? Yeah, come on here. Thanks. Brian Hill was a friend of Fred's. They used to hang out together as teenagers. Local people directed me to his house. He was still living near Much Markle, and I more or less stumbled upon him working outside in his yard. He seemed surprised when I introduced myself and nervous about what I might ask him. I know it's a long time ago, but um, do you remember it? I guess you can't forget it. No, that's why I don't want to talk about it. Because that was his first, that was the first time he was ever in court. I was asking about Fred's first court appearance. How did you find that? Well, I went to, I was just going through the, you know, the uh, the Ledbury reporter in the library, you know, on the... On the microphone, you know, they've got all the old papers, they keep yeah. going back to the, to the 20s. Oh, yeah. um, and they, and it's there, look, I'll show you. Look. Well, I guess it's you, isn't it? Bryant's Terence Hill, 18, a gardener of Nat Cottage. I'd found a reference to Fred's first run-in with the police. The Lebry Reporter headline was Thefts from Shops, and Mr Hill had been involved. The article read, Brian Hill, 18, a gardener of Dimmock, and Frederick Walter West, 19, a farm worker of Moorcourt Cottage, Much Markle, pleaded guilty at Lebury Magistrates Court last Thursday for stealing a gold watch worth £2, 17 shillings and sixpence. He was just walking through and we just had the seat. He said, Christ, these are nice. He and Fred were in a shop in Ledbury when they saw some cigarette cases. Fred said, Christ, these are nice, and put a couple in his pocket. Then Fred stole a watch from a nearby jeweller's. On the spur of the moment, he picked them up and put it in his pocket, I suppose. And, of course, I just laughed it off, instead of telling him to put it back. With the stolen goods, they went to a nearby pub. And he just picked them up and put them in his pocket, and then we went up to the uh, plough. That's where we used to, he, we always used to muck around with his motorbike, strip it down and that, outside the plough, in the alleyway there. And there was toilets in there and he put it on top of the toilets. They went to their favourite pub, the plough, where Fred hid the stolen items in the toilet. Yeah, we were all up there and then we just wandered around town and we decided to leave. And uh, he, uh, they stopped us there. But the police had already been alerted and the boys were arrested almost immediately. So when you got picked up, was he was he ter- was he scared or was he a tough guy about it? They were there. They just grabbed hold of us. They were just waiting around. They, they, I did the shopkeepers with them, and they said there's 
considerable than that. The court found Fred and Brian guilty of theft. They were fined £4 each, plus costs, roughly as much as Fred earned in a week as a farm labourer. But it wouldn't be the last time Fred got in trouble with the law as a teenager. Although this theft would be a minor detail in my book, I felt I was inching closer to Fred. If he was committing crimes from when he was a teenager, what else did Fred West get up to as a boy? Steve West's story about the motorbike accident was still on my mind. He said his dad had never been the same since, but Steve wasn't alive when Fred had his smash, so had only heard the family's story. What really happened? And could this help explain the man Fred became? Back at the library, I couldn't find any report of the accident in the local newspapers. With no documentary evidence, I had to try to piece the story together from friends and family. That was when I found a new piece to the story. There'd been another person involved. This is what I think happened. On the evening of the 28th of November, 1958, 17-year-old Fred was riding home along a country road into Much Markle. He was a few hundred yards from Moorcourt Cottage, where he was living with his parents. At that moment, a young girl named Pat Manns was riding her bicycle home in the opposite direction. Somehow, Fred ran into her. I went to look at the scene of the smash. Straight away, something didn't add up. The road didn't fit Steve West's description, and I couldn't see how Fred could have reached 100 miles an hour on his little motorbike on this windy country lane. Then, of course, there was the girl he hit. Local people told me various stories, and one was sinister. Some people said Fred rode into her deliberately. There was one person who would know the truth and managed to find her. Oh, hello, is that Mrs. Ruck? Hello, this is Howard The girl Sue. Fred had run into. Her married name was Pat Ruck. Um, I just wanted to check something with you if you can. I'm, it's just a little detail about the accident all those years ago. Just don't ask me if you'd rather not, but can I just simply ask it? I mean, you may, you may find you can help me. I simply would like to ask you, the accident that you were involved in... Do you think that it was an accident or do you understand it was a deliberate attempt to hit you? But no luck. Like many people, she didn't want to speak to the press. That's fine, but if that's wrong, I'd just like you to guide me to make it correct, that's all. Pat Ruck wouldn't confirm or deny anything. We'll probably never know the exact details of the motorbike accident, but Steve West also said... Fred had been unconscious for seven days after the smash. Could that be meaningful? What I didn't know was that there was a far more shocking discovery to come. (laughs) 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Howard Soons, and this is Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes. I was in the countryside near Gloucester in search of insights into Fred West. What set him on the road to being a serial killer? While we don't know the reasons for the motorbike crash, I was told that Fred West had suffered a serious head injury. The family say he was unconscious for seven days. Also, Fred West was still walking with a limp several months later while the accident permanently altered his appearance. Now his nose was crooked and his face was scarred. Family said it changed his mood as well, making him short-tempered. But it didn't stop Fred from going back to his old haunts, hanging around nearby Lebri with the local teenagers trying to pick up girls. I found one of his friends from that time, June Lebri. Was there anything strange about Fred that she could recall? Hello, Fred. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. I went to school with him. Ah, could I talk to you about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. June said she knew Fred very well. She went to school with him. I mixed in him at lunch as well. Yeah, what were they like? Magic. He was magic. Yeah, we used to go out to the youth club and we used to have a dance. And then we... There was music there, wasn't there, the youth club? Yeah. What sort of, what, like records or a band? Rock and roll. What, on a, on a record. Record, record player? No, a record player, sorry. Oh, yeah, indeed. Rock around the clock. Oh, hey, hey. They used to go to Lebri Youth Club and dance to Bill Haley and the Comets. For June, Fred was just another boy at the dance, but I found that hard to believe. Could he behave oddly with women, with girls? Could he try it on all the time? He never tried anything on with me. All we used to do was dance together and go to the youth club. I can't believe the way I knew him, that he could do anything like that. But other people say something significant did happen to Fred at Lebri Youth Club. Along with the motorbike accident, 
Some people say it changed Fred forever. A few weeks later, I spoke to Fred's sister-in-law, Christine West. She'd married his younger brother, Doug. The first time we met, she seemed to hold back. Many people I spoke to in the West case were like that. But when we spoke on the phone, while Doug was out at work, Christine was more relaxed. Now was my chance to ask her what happened to Fred at the youth club all those years ago. He's she said Fred fell down some stairs onto concrete. He hurt his head so badly he was knocked unconscious and had a steel plate put in. Christine didn't want to say at first what Fred had been doing on the stairs, but then admitted that he'd been trying to put his hand up a girl's skirt when the girl turned, hit him, and knocked him down the fire escape. Fred was out cold, apparently. He was taken to hospital again. His devoted mum sat by his side, just like she had after the motorbike accident. Fred was, after all, her blue-eyed boy. This time, the family say he was unconscious for 24 hours. It's well documented that head injuries can change a person's behaviour and character. Was there a link between the injuries Fred sustained as a teenager and the man he became? In any case, Fred came round and the doctors discharged him to go back to his work as a farm labourer. Back at the library, there was another mention of Fred in the newspaper archive. He'd been involved with the police again, but this time it was much more serious than stealing a watch. It was a tiny story from June 1961, when Fred was 19. He'd been charged with sex with a 13-year-old girl. This is a phone call with an elderly relative named Edna Hill. Oh, yes, he'd been in trouble once or twice when he was kidding, but I just don't know why it was. The article didn't identify the victim, but when I called Edna, she told me something shocking. Yes, his own sister. You mean, you mean Kitty? Yeah. Questioned by police at the time, Fred apparently agreed. Yes, he had abused his sister. He said, well, doesn't everyone do it? The police charged Fred with having unlawful carnal knowledge of a child, Kitty West. Yeah. Oh, Kitty was a nice little girl, but since all this has just sort of turned, you know... How was she turned? Well, she doesn't seem the same girl. She seems quiet. She doesn't want to have nothing to do with nobody. Was it a big scandal when when Fred West got um, Kitty in trouble? Oh, yes. Did everyone know? Going to talk about it, yes. Yeah? What did, what did Daisy think about it? Well, I think she was disgusted with it, really. But I couldn't say. Yeah. 
The family say that his mother, Daisy West, threw Fred out. With nowhere else to go, he ended up with Violet Clark, his aunt. Well, I'm trying to contact Violet Clark. That's me. How do you do? My name's Howard Soons. Um, you don't know me. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm writing a book about uh, Frederick West. What do you want to write a book about Freddie, Frederick West for? It sounded like it was going to be a difficult phone call. He was one of the best boys. He looked, he'd come in at your home, his auntie Violet and his uncle Ernie, just like up there. And I can say that up to the day as I die. I, I just, yeah, I, well, I, I, I'm interested to hear that. I, yes, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Clearly, she wasn't going to tell me much about what happened with Kitty. Because he, I know he obviously, he stopped with you for a while, didn't he? Yes, yeah, poor vulgar. The only reason I rang you, Mrs. Clark, is because he, he stayed with you, didn't he, for a little bit when he was young. I know um, he did. When he was young, he left school. Well, when he, when he was a young man, I mean. Yeah. He was well behaved, was he? He never messed words between me, my husband. We go out together and he never murmured he'd do anything for me. I mean, I, I wonder, did he... What do you think about all this? You don't think he did it, I suppose? No, I don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. What, you writing a book about it now? Yes, that's right, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's a, it's a it's a very interesting story. Yeah, and when you've wrote one, don't forget to send me one. In November 1961, Fred came to trial, charged with sexual abuse of a 13-year-old girl. Court reports show that his mother, Daisy, appeared as a defence witness. There was also a local doctor, Brian Hardy, who was the West's family GP. He seemed to agree with the defence counsel that Fred had suffered head injuries and he appeared to go a step further. The argument seemed to be that, as a result, Fred could be epileptic. And this seemed to be a defence argument that Fred might not be responsible for his actions. Dr Hardy was my only reliable link to someone who had seen the extent of Fred's head injuries. Could he shed light on how it had affected Fred? First, I had to find him. I'm trying to find some people from years ago, local people, and I thought I was hoping to ask your advice. Yeah. Do you remember a doctor called Harvey? Yes, he went to Australia. You're joking. Brian Harvey? Yeah. He's a local chief. Yes, Dr. Harvey went to Australia. Oh. Dr. Hardy had indeed emigrated to Australia. Luckily, I found a number for him in New South Wales. Late one night, I called him up. Surely he would remember the case. Listening to the doctor's telephone ring halfway around the world, I felt that a lot might be explained in this call. Good evening. I'm trying to speak with uh, Dr. Brian Hardy. Yeah, you're speaking to him now. Ah, how do you do? Um, my is that Howard Soames? It is indeed. <laughs> Hello there. Tell me what you're phoning me about. I, I came across this 1961 court report in the Lebury Reporter about Frederick West. Um, do you, do you, you, you do remember the case, um, do you, Doctor? Yes, I do. Um, he was a, he was the, a farm labourer from Much Markle, and, and he was accused of having sex with his sister. Um, That's right. Um, um, Kathleen West um, he was charged and this is what picked me up I got to the, the, this paragraph and it says Dr Brian Hardy 
um, agreed with Mr. Conway Clifford that West had suffered head injuries through motorcycle accidents. In his opinion, West was a case of suspected epilepsy. Well, obviously I've been doing some studying about this, and as we all know, epileptic attacks can be triggered by head injuries and, and consciousness, and he certainly had that. Um, uh, I'm, I was interested to know whether you whether you could fill me in a bit about that, whether you actually diagnose him as epileptic or, or, or what. Um, I can't. I haven't got access, obviously, to the notes. Uh, and my memory isn't uh, sufficiently accurate as the episodes are concerned. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if you know, but if you remember, I think you'll find he has a plate in his head holding it, his skull together uh, after one of these accidents. Um, and you, you're probably one of the few people alive who might know something about that, because his parents are dead, he's in prison, and not the most rational of people. Um, he's... Um, yes, I didn't recall that in actual fact. I, no, you, I didn't recall that um, he'd uh, a, had the possibility of a diagnosis of epilepsy, and I didn't recall the, um, the two accidents. In the old court report I'd found, Dr Hardy seemed to say that Fred did suffer head injuries and he might be epileptic as a result. But this wasn't quite what he was saying now. I'll, I'll leave it to think about it. I can say this, that uh, I can't recall the details of, um, of uh, Edward, uh, that sort of detail. Cedric, you mean? Uh, the, I don't recall those two accidents. Right. Um, I don't recall the head injury. I can imagine saying in court, particularly if you're being led and attempting to, uh, I suppose, be, um, or, to be fair, give all explanations that might be uh, much suspected epilepsy, I suppose, is somewhat different. It means, really, probably, that there had been no evidence of fitting. Oh, well, you said there had been no evidence of fitting? Um... Well, I suspected it probably would mean that, I should think. Oh, I see. He now seemed to be saying that there was no evidence of epileptic fits. This undermined the family theory that Fred's behaviour was fundamentally affected by his head injuries. Dr Hardy seemed to feel that he may have been led by the Defence Council into helping the family with some sort of explanation for Fred's behaviour. Maybe the family's stories about the accidents were all exaggerated. Maybe Dr Hardy had just forgotten the details. It was a long time ago... And, as he said, he didn't have access to his records. Now, of course, I have to be careful here. It's way too easy to explain away the crimes of Fred West by a couple of bangs on the head. The search for an easy explanation is seductive, especially to a family of the accused. Alongside all of this, I was hearing rumours of sexual abuse going back generations in the West family and involving Fred's father. This is what Fred himself said. Was it this that corrupted him as a boy? Other family members angrily denied that Fred's dad was a child molester and the old man himself was long dead, making the rumours almost impossible to verify. But these stories persisted. We can only look at the totality of what we know about Fred's upbringing, then it's up to all of us to decide for ourselves.
When the child abuse case came to court, Kitty refused to name her abuser. The trial collapsed. Fred walked free. There was one more very sensitive detail of Fred's alleged abuse of his sister. Kitty became pregnant, though she didn't bear the child. What happened to Kitty is among the saddest stories in the West case. She refused to speak to me, or indeed any press. When detectives went to interview her about Fred in 1994, she got her doctor to write a note to demand that they leave her alone. I went back recently and spoke to her husband. Kitty had died in 2006. Standing on the doorstep, Mr. Poole said to me, That's what killed my wife. I knew what he meant. The publicity of her brother's murder case, the attention of the police and people like me, asking difficult, intimate questions. There was pain and suffering in this family long before Fred's murders were uncovered. Next time on Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, Fred's first murder. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, was written and presented by Howard Soons. The producer was Paul Smith. The executive producer was Russell Finch. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The title music was composed by Shani Aviram, with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Antonia Udenlami, Ben Maidley, and Alice Lutchins. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, is a Something Else production. Also from Something Else. How did we get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tanya Byron. In these in-depth, one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful, and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... God, don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.